Good evening, and welcome back to A Closer Look Inside Lehigh Valley Nonprofits. I'm your host, Laurie Hackett. And on this program tonight, we are talking with nonprofit leaders, as we always do, who are doing some amazing things in our community. Together through this program, we've learned about so many nonprofit organizations throughout the Lehigh Valley. We've learned about the magic that they're making, the people that they're helping, and doing so much to really improve our community. Tonight is certainly no exception. We are excited about our two guests that are with us tonight. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our first guest. So please, listeners, join me in welcoming Melissa Starris. Melissa is the chair of the board for the Carl Sterner Arts Trail in Easton. Welcome, Melissa. Lori, thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. The program is an incredible asset to our community. And as you know, I am probably one of the first listeners of this show of A Closer Look with Lori Hackett. It got me through countless commutes in different directions all across the state. And I find myself going back time and time again when I know I'm going somewhere and I'm like, let me learn more about this place or who's that person again. So Thank you. And it's an incredible honor and privilege to be representing the trail with you today. So thank you. Ah, thanks for saying all that. We, we so appreciate it. We have had such a diverse group of amazing community leaders on the program. So I appreciate you saying that. But let's jump right in. Carl Sterner Arts Trail. Tell us about it, Melissa. All right. So the Carl Sterner Arts Trail, I have to put my art hat on a bit, as well as this trail and engagement Um, hat when I'm talking about it, because there's many dimensions of the trail. We're not just a physical asset, but we also have creative, intellectual, and this whole natural environmental capital that really brings the trail to be this destination. So physically speaking, I want to start with that first, and then I'll jump into the rest. For those that aren't familiar with the Carl Sterner Arch Trail, we're located in the city of Easton, and many of you drive 22, and you might go around those windy turns before you arrive in New Jersey, and we are right before that, between 13th Street and the 3rd Street exits. And I like to say that we're nestled right in between 22 and the Bushkill Creek we activated a reclaimed rail line. So it's really about industrial development, renewal, thinking about what are our surroundings and how can we use them differently. And the name of the Arch Trail comes from Carl Sterner. Carl Sterner is a sculptor, world-renowned, who moved to Easton in 1983. For about 25 years in Easton, he lived and he just engaged the art community, helped it to thrive, mentored a number of artists, and he was very instrumental in just the art world. So when it came time for this trail, people really came around it and said, let's name it in honor of Carl. That's a great history. And Melissa, what kind of art would people see if they were walking or running on the trail? There's a little bit of everything. We are so fortunate to have artwork that was donated to us by, um, well, not by, but it's by the sculptor Steve Tobin. And he has these incredible metal structures that you'll see throughout the trail, as well as throughout Easton at the um, Canal Park in Easton, as well as downtown. We also have local artists, and one is Habib Falls. And in 2020, we have the Young Masters Wall that typically would rotate every four to six weeks, I believe, with new young artists coming in. And this was at the time there was a lot of conversation, which there still is, with racial equity, racial injustice. And Habib created this incredible mural worth local students from the Easton area. And it really is our whole history from a from a Black perspective that is now on this young murals as you enter the trail. And how long is the trail? The trail is 1.7 miles, and it's anchored with the Silk Mill right off of 13th Street, and it ends up at the base of College Hill and the Lafayette College Art Campus. And Melissa, I know that the Carl Sterner Arts Trail 
it talks about the mission and a purpose of it. It is really an interconnectedness of art with nature, history, health, and wellness. And I've been on the trail many times. I take my dog there weekly. Could you tell us a little bit about how that mission comes to life when you're on the trail? Yes. And if we can take a step back as I jump into that, because really it's important to understand the context of how the trail came together. Because for many people, they might hear of the word art trail and think, what's so special about this art trail? And it really speaks to the Easton community. And Laura, you and I have been at different events in Easton, and we hear about this revitalization and the Renaissance happening. And the art trail is such an incredible story and I think depictor of who the Easton community is. When you think of Easton itself, Easton is not about a large corporation or corporations that have developed Easton. Easton is not about large nonprofits that have come in or national entities that have come in and made Easton Easton. Easton is about its people. And the Renaissance has just been driven by the people, the citizens and the local business owners of Easton. And when you think about the trail, it was people like Dick McAteer, who's a local Easton resident, Dave Hopkins, who works with the city public work, the mayor and past mayors and neighbors that came together and said, when we're going to activate this space, it can't just be a trail along the Bushkill Creek. What does that look like? And that's where this idea of nature art, the environment, health and wellness came together, and really using the trail as a way to connect people, this interconnectedness we have, and civic dialogue. So when you think of the art, when you think of the meditation area, when you think of this trail and people running in the water, it allows us to bring our humanity together and really be as one with our surroundings. And the art, as you go through the trail, you'll see really complements nature, the environment. There's a lot of sustainability happening. And it's just this amazing place that I think represents and captures the essence of Easton and the citizens of Easton with this environment that's been around so much longer than all of us. Thanks, Melissa. That was so well said. That really, you really brought the trail to life for so many of us. So thanks for explaining that. How is it funded? That's a great question. We are funded by community individuals. All of our funding has been through private donations. Um, when I mentioned the Steve Tobin artwork, that's just this incredible asset and treasure we had. It was donated by George Ball, who is a local philanthropist and involved with Burpee Seed Company. Um, but so much of our work comes through private grants. We recently um, had a great, it's a new interactive map, which you can check out online, but that came through Northampton County grants. But when you think about how we are funded, it really is through individuals which it's so important to keep that message out there because this isn't a publicly funded entity in any way. And how many pieces of art are there along the trail? There are probably close to two dozen, and you have to look for them sometimes. So there is art installations that as we would call ourselves curators of the trail as the Carl Sterner Trail Arts Trail Organization and nonprofit. So we actually bring art into the trail. And then we also sometimes have art popping up on the trail, which not necessarily that we don't encourage, but we do encourage, we don't encourage. But we really want to keep the trail as a space that it's not just everyone bringing everything in, but being really thoughtful about the placement and what these experiences are. And Melissa, I know you're a volunteer. You're the chair of the board of this nonprofit organization. What was it about being involved with this board as a volunteer when I know you do many other things at work with your family and community. What was it about the Carl Sterner Arts Trail Board that drew you to it? It was the people. 
And it was people like Dick McAteer, and I'm going to throw some names out, Monica Seigelman, Ed Kearns, Jim Toya, Dave Hopkins, Rachel Hogan Carr. There are so many people I'm missing, but it was the people just with this passion for this space. I'm not an artist by any means, and I try to be active, but hearing their stories and learning about why this area is so important to Easton and to the community, it why not? And who doesn't want to be around great work happening with great people? Oh, Absolutely. What about collaboration, Melissa? We talk a lot on this program about when nonprofits come together to collaborate. Are there other nonprofit organizations that the Arts Trail works with? Yes, definitely. So a few right off the top of my head, Nurture Nature Center, which is located on Northampton Street in Easton. They're great partners. They bring a lot of lectures and walk and talks around the trail regarding nature. It might be anything from bird watching to nature journaling to just even looking at trees. So Nurture Nature is an incredible asset in our community and really bringing that science and environment perspective into the work that we do. We also partner with many youth organizations throughout the city and even Safe Harbor Homeless Shelter, where artists will come in and engage with the trail in different ways and actually produce art at different points throughout the year. I mentioned the Young Masters Wall, and that brings a lot of young people together with locally known artists that will come in and help to curate what that Young Masters Wall looks like. Um, Also, the City of Easton is a great partner, but really it comes down to just everyone finding their place on the trail and what makes for them. And Melissa, you as a volunteer, was there someone early in your life that really inspired you to take on volunteer leadership roles like this one? Sure. Well, you know, right away, we always think of, I think, parents and family members. So I want to give a shout out to my parents because they've helped me to be the person that I am today. Two people professionally, though, that were really integral in my life, and it all started at the community college, were Art Scott and Sue Kubik. And they were just incredible with helping people connect introducing them to people within the valley and helping to find the place. And it was very early on in my early 20s, I started serving on boards. And it was watching them and other members at the community college just be such engaged citizens, community leaders and volunteers and philanthropists. And I thought, I want to be like that. So hopefully, hopefully it's happening. And so you've been the beneficiary of great mentors like Art and Sue. What about you? Are you then turning back and mentoring others that come along? Definitely. I I don't often think of myself as a mentor, but I've been fortunate to be around so many people um, in this area, Lori, you, and there's so many others that have given me time throughout my career and my professional upbringing and my personal life. And when I get a call or when I get introduced to someone, it's just that way of saying, like, I'm making time for this and I'm committed to this and who can I connect this person to? Because you never know where that journey is going to lead you or where your lives are going to intersect again. So definitely. Is there a motto or a slogan that really guides your life, Melissa? I know that's a very heady question, but would love to hear. So this is said because I'm a very optimistic person, but it also, I'm going through a lot right now thinking about mindfulness and where we are in our presence. And my father said from a very young age, expect nothing and you will never be disappointed. And while it kind of sounds a little dark, It really, when we can enter situations and engage with people, and instead of bringing our judgment or our ideas forward, if we can just come in flat and neutral and expect nothing, you're going to be really surprised in many different ways. And that's just something that's always stuck with me is expect nothing. You'll never be disappointed. I love it. Where else do you volunteer, Melissa? 
I'm currently involved with the State Theater of Easton. I serve on their board. I will say through GEDP, I still get calls. So I help with like the 530 setups at Heritage Day and Bacon Fest, you know, when no one else wants to wake up in the morning. I'm there. Oh, 530 a.m. A.m. Yes, a.m. I'm that volunteer that's like under the radar. But now I outed myself. Um, I'm really involved with my church as well, my children's school and different professional organizations. What would you say to people who are thinking about getting involved as a volunteer with some nonprofit in the community? Sure. For so often we hear about follow your passion, and I, I do believe that, and I'm very committed to that. The other idea, though, that I'd like to have people think about is just the power of presence. And why are you interested in joining a board? And is it because they want you? And why? And do you want them? So for those of you thinking about getting involved, and this could be volunteering your time or serving in a board leadership role, is really thinking about what is the mission? How does it align with core values? And how you are going to be present in that organization? And to take it a step further, we have to be really mindful of our governance and fiduciary responsibilities of board members. But we also really need to know who are we serving? Servant leadership. So, you know, I mentioned waking up and getting up in the morning. Those are ways that it really, I think, adds a level of credibility to board members. When you show up where the staff is and where the people are that you're serving and showing like, I'm right there with you. So I would say show up, power of presence and mission and core values. You have to take them into account. Well said. Thanks for that. We're coming to the end of our time, unfortunately, already. Melissa, what can our listeners do to get more involved with the Carl Sterner Arts Trail? Well, first, visit the trail. I told you where we are. Please come and visit us. And where do people park if they want to visit? Great question. If you're coming off of 13th Street, there is a parking lot to the right. You can park right in there at Smaller. Also at Silk Mill, there's this incredible pedestrian bridge that was placed, and I saw that go in, which was remarkable. So you can hit the silk shops and then go onto the trail. And that's the Simon Silk Mill. Simon Silk Mill off of 13th. And then also, if you're heading off of 3rd Street, right behind Don Juan, there's a parking area. That's one of our trailheads and also at the base of Lafayette, and people park there as well. So what else can people do? How can they get involved with the trail? Visit. You can join us for programming. All of our programming is at no cost to individuals, Lori, which is pretty amazing. But that also comes down to then how do we sustain ourselves? So participate in our Artful Dash, which takes place every fall. It's one of our larger fundraisers that we have. Um, It's a great way. We grew from a few years ago, 60 people. We have close to 225 people that come out now. And in addition to being involved in our programming, come and volunteer clean up the trail, you know, help us. We're right off the highway. Things get thrown when we drive around our highways. So volunteer is really help us be present. Come and visit us and tell your friends, take part in our programs. And of course, you know, we did talk about philanthropy. We are sustained by local individuals. So if you'd like to support us, we're open for that conversation also. And how can people learn more? CarlSternerArchTrail.org. You can go online. If you Google KSAT, it might come up as well, K-S-A-T, but it's Carl with a K, Sterner Arts with an S, trail.org. Melissa, thanks for being with us. We loved this time together to learn about such an important asset and a beautiful asset that we have in the community that a lot of people might not be aware of. Lori, thank you so much for having me. Again, the trail, it's accessible, it's open, it's inclusive, it's not an exclusive place, and we hope many of you will come and visit us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Again, we were joined tonight by Melissa Starris, who serves as chair of the board of the Carl Sterner Arts Trail in Easton. And we'll be right back. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. 
Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Welcome back to A Closer Look. Our next guest is Tim Mulligan. Tim is a friend of mine. We've worked together for a long time, and Tim is the CEO of Communities in Schools of Eastern PA. Welcome, Tim. Lori, thanks so much. And um, I just really appreciate being here. It's a fantastic show you have. And to me, it's one of these wonderful little gifts that are part of the Lehigh Valley. It's part of what makes the, the valley so great. And it just shows the interconnectedness of us all. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, we do have the chance each month to highlight a nonprofit or two and volunteer leaders, and we hear such good things. We have people who are calling saying, hey, could I come on the show? I want to talk about my agency. So thanks for that. We're delighted that WDIY has put the commitment into doing a program like this. Let's get started, and let's talk about communities and schools. First of all, I must say happy birthday. I know that the agency is turning 40 years old. So tell our listeners, what is Communities in Schools of Eastern Pennsylvania? Well, thanks, Lori. And, and it is. It's a big year for us, 40. Communities in Schools is an organization that's really in place to address the question, why is a student not coming to school ready to learn? Or sometimes, why is a student just not coming to school? <laughs> and when we think about it, there's a plethora of reasons. Sometimes it's health or mental health related. Sometimes a student's being bullied. Sometimes it's a transportation issue or a family instability issue. CIS is all about addressing the non-academic barriers that students face. That's our particular lane. Uh, we're not teachers, but we're social workers and counselors. Our staff are in the school, and that gives us a unique access point to be able to work in a one-to-one -one fashion with students who are struggling with academics, behavior, and attendance. Our organization is all about developing strong, trusting relationships. Our founder, Bill Milliken, says it's not programs that change children, it's relationships that change children. So at CIS, everything we do starts with the power of relationships, developing these strong relationships with students, with their families, with our school district partners, with our donors and our friends in the community. And through that, really bringing transformational change to students, families, schools, and our communities. It sounds like you really keep the student at the center of everything. You mentioned so many incredible partners that add to the success of your programs. It really is. And, you know, Lori, last year we went through a core values process. I, I love it because it's the acronym CARE, okay? C for CONNECT. And a big part of what we do is connecting. You know, our staff who are in the schools actually have this ability to connect with great partners in the community. So although we do a lot of direct service, a big part of our success is that connecting, connecting to great nonprofits, health, mental health providers, basic needs, uh, food pantries, and others in the community, because it's only together that we can really help these students and families overcome some really significant issues in their life and be successful in school and in life. You talked about graduation rates, and I know that your graduation rate of communities and schools programs is around 88%, which is incredible. What are the national averages, and how do you compare? 
You know, in the state of Pennsylvania, it's, it's in the 80s, uh, low 80s. However, when you look at urban school districts and the ones that are most high need, um, you'll often find graduation rates that are in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. That's some of what we face here, even in the Lehigh Valley in Berks County. You know, we work in urban centers like Easton, Bethlehem, Allentown, and in Berks County, Reading, some of the highest need communities. Mm -hmm. And again, so many reasons why students struggle just to, to stay in school and, and achieve. But our success is really about those personal relationships. It's about being there for that student and to say, you can do this, I believe in you, Together, no mountain, no obstacle is too much to overcome. And we're going to put a plan together, and we are going to do this. It's being their cheerleader, being their coach, uh, challenging them when they need to be challenged. All of that is part of that whole project of helping these students find success. And Tim, what age student do you work with? Yeah, thanks, Lori. We're actually in elementary, middle, and high schools. Currently, we're in 41 schools. We have a reach of 38,000 students, and 2,000 of them receive what we would call intensive one-to-one -one supports. So we really have a, a significant area where we can make a lot of impact. But as you mentioned at the very beginning, our 40th anniversary, mm -hmm. uh, we have a campaign and we have a, you know, we're looking at a five-year plan of expanding into 25 new schools over the next five years. We're very excited about that, about extending that impact, about serving more kids, and helping more students to, you know, we're, we're here to unlock that potential, the potential that's already there, and to help them to find their wings and to fly. I know that your theme for this year, for this 40th anniversary, is building bright futures. What, if any, barriers are you up against in the work that you do? The biggest barriers uh, seem to be probably funding. <laughs> you know, a lot of schools want us. But when you place a full-time CIS site coordinator in a school, uh, there's a cost involved. So we're always trying to find a braided funding model. It costs us about $90,000 to put a staff in a school for a year. So between the school districts, between our funding partners, our fundraising, great partners like the United Way and others, we try to put a package together and bring some sustainability to that service at the school. Because, you know, Lori, we need to be there two, three, four, five years to really develop those relationships mm -hmm. and to be in a place where we can deliver impact. And build trust right. with the students, with the staff, I'm sure. That's a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, we're a third party. We're, we're not the school district themselves. So sometimes it takes a little time for them to realize that what we're doing is very complementary to what they're doing, mm -hmm. uh, but we're not replacing right. any of their, their staff. So when they see that's what we're about, then we can work together and produce some really exciting results. Tim, as the leader of the agency, could you share a little bit about your background? What brought you to this role? Yeah, my background is a little interesting. So I have a, educationally, um, I was a mechanical engineer. Finished. You were an engineer. Yes. <laughs> From I'm Lafayette. Lafayette College, yay, <laughs> go parts. Shout out to Lafayette. <laughs> um, however, soon after, I actually began my career in ministry. I spent 20 years. Um, I was actually a part of a, a Franciscan community where I really fell in love with Franciscan spirituality, and um, I did campus ministry. I, I served in a number of different places, Syracuse University. And when I was at Syracuse especially, really getting a lot of my students engaged in the community. 
Syracuse is a lot like Allentown or Reading or a lot of these communities. So I really developed a lot of strong connections with the nonprofit community. In 2008, I stepped out of uh, my Franciscan life, um, a new bold life. I got married and really started in um, nonprofits. And I worked at a, at a Catholic Charities for a couple of years, which was really exciting, focusing on domestic violence. And then when this opportunity opened up, and I thank Alan Jennings partly for that, who, who kind of told me about communities and schools, I thought, what better way to give the gift that, that continues to, to give by helping students be successful in school, graduate with the skills they need for that next step in their career. So the long and the short of it is, I really feel like the work that I do now is, is very much a continuation of my, my life, my spirituality, my commitment to, just like St. Francis, to serving those around us and, um, and providing those, those opportunities for, for success in life. Thanks for sharing that. I didn't know that wonderful background, so thank you. <laughs> sure. Tim, is there an example, a story that you have that reminded you that you were exactly where you should be? I had a story just last week, and I shared this with my board of directors. A middle school student who last year struggled mightily, missed over 100 days of school. The student finished the fourth quarter last year in the core subjects, with three zeros and a 20. So essentially failed all their core subjects significantly. <laughs> that student was connected to us, referred to one of our CIS site coordinators, began to build that trusting relationship. At first, like always, the student resisted. You know, a lot of things aren't going right in their life, but they soon found that this site coordinator was there for them, was dedicated to them, and no matter what was gonna stick with them. At the end of the second quarter, through a lot of challenges, a lot of work, that student in all four core subjects, the minimum grade was an 85. I mean, remarkable turnaround, and was excited because he now can go out for the basketball team. So, you know, kids are resilient. They can really, really turn a corner. And when they know that somebody believes in them, anything is possible. Not so different with adults, but you know what? With kids, they need that. They need that support in their lives. And when I hear stories like that, it just makes me realize what we do is so important, not only for the one, but for the for the thousands of kids we impact. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I don't know where our community would be without communities in school. So many agencies and certainly without yours. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, thanks. Tim, how can our listeners get involved? Gosh, there's, um, you know, when I think about getting engaged, I think of time, talent, and treasure. <laughs> time. At our 41 schools, there's always opportunities for even volunteer efforts. Uh, we can sometimes cater and craft those volunteer efforts to whatever a person's availability is. So by contacting communities and schools, um, by contacting me, I can direct them to uh, where a, a great volunteer effort might be. This is our 40th anniversary, and we have a big campaign this year. We're, we're looking to raise a million dollars. That'll help to set us up for that next big, bold expansion of 25 schools in the next five years. So we would welcome uh, support from our individuals and businesses and others in the community. And lastly, I just want to say that a mission like ours just requires a lot of a lot of friends. So we can always just have a conversation, talk, and, and find ways for individuals to engage with communities and schools. Are there any events coming up? Yeah, thanks, Lori. Um, we have two big events that are associated with our 40th anniversary. 
Uh, the first one is we have an annual graduation event where we bring all of the at-risk seniors we've worked with through the years, and we celebrate this incredible milestone of high school graduation. For some of them, it's the first time in their lives, or first one in their families who have graduated. May 23rd at 9 o'clock, it's at DeSales University. We call it Ready, Set, Graduate, and it's at 9 a.m. A second, we have our 40th anniversary gala celebration. It'll be October 26th at 6 o'clock. Uh, that's our Building Bright Futures gala celebration, and that will be at Olympus uh, here in uh, Center Valley. And Tim, where would people go to learn more, or how would they reach you? They can reach me through our website, uh, www.cisesternpa.org. Uh, they can also reach us by our main phone number, 484-834-8830. Uh, we would love to hear from you and love to talk about next steps of being involved with communities and schools. Thank you, Tim. Thanks so much for being with us. We are at the end of our time. Any final thoughts to share with our listeners about communities and schools? By the fact that you're listening to this fantastic program, you are serious about our community and you love our community. So let's just continue to work together to to build bright futures for our kids and for the entire Lehigh Valley. So thank you. Perfect ending. Again, tonight we were joined by Tim Mulligan, CEO of Communities and Schools of Eastern PA. Thanks again all for joining us on this month's episode of A Closer Look, where we spend time learning about nonprofits in our community and the leaders who are making such a difference. Remember that you can find past episodes of A Closer Look and other public affairs programming at WDIY.org, on our app, or anywhere you stream your podcasts. Be sure and tune in next Monday for more WDIY public affairs programming. Thanks all, and we look forward to seeing you next time on A Closer Look. <music>